Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dobbs Program. We are here every day, every Saturday, that is, at 12 noon, to defend and to promote public education. That's public education, that's public in purpose and outcome. It's also public in access, it's accessible to all children. It's also public, or it should be, public in ownership and control. And above all, it should be public in accountability. Now, that is the introduction to our press release 845, because in the last week, we have in Australia, in what Robert calls these COVIDness times, celebrated Public Education Day. And this afternoon, we'll be spending quite a bit of time on this public education, because there are some very important and very, very, very good people in Australia who are prepared to defend our public education system in these days when the market seems to reign the supreme, not only in in primary and secondary education, but also at the university level. And the uh, crisis that we have just been through and are still going through has revealed just how important our public facilities in education, health, policing and all sorts of other um, areas which are funded by the taxpayer, just how important these facilities are. Now, according to the Australian Education Union, Public Education Day is a time to recognise the central role that public schools, preschools and TAPEs play in strengthening our social, economic and cultural fabric in our society. And I think if you look at what has been happening all around the world, a lot of Western democracies are fragmenting. But in Australia, on the whole, we have held together because of the education which we have offered in our public schools. Now, this public education system is a cohesive community which works as one to create equity, hope and opportunity for every child. That doesn't mean to say, of course, that it always happens, but that is our ideal. Free, public and secular education is the key to a vibrant, socially cohesive, multicultural and democratic Australia. And that is something that is really worth fighting for. The reaction of the Australian people to the extraordinary requirements placed upon them in times of bushfire and plague and their ability to work together in these crises, crises has been a tribute to the values espoused by our public education system. In the lead-up to the Public Education Day, which occurred on the 28th of May, the Australian Education Union asked a number of prominent Australians to share their support for public education and celebrate and acknowledge the people who made it so special, principals, teachers and education support staff. Now, the first of these is an author, Marilyn Parker. You may not know her, she's from Sydney, but for many years now she has run a blog and has been promoting public education on that blog. As well as her, there was also the Cool Australia uh, CEO, a a gentleman called Jason Kimberley, and they have shared their appreciation for professionalism, the resilience and the creativity 
which makes our public schools, preschools and TAPEs so strong and so vibrant. Now here's what Marilyn Parker had to say. The professionalism, the resilience and the creativity of our public school teachers have never been more obvious to us, the majority of Australian families who send their children to public schools. Because in spite of all, and this is me speaking, in spite of 60 years of public funding going to private schools, the majority of parents in Australia still send their children to public schools, nearly 66%, two-thirds. And these people lift us up as a nation. Marilyn Parker says that you make us proud of who we are and what we can become. It's wonderful to get this opportunity to tell you how much we value your high expectations and your unstinting, often unacknowledged and seemingly inexhaustible labour. We thrive because of you. I want to say thank you, she says. Thank you for it all. Thank you for all of those late working nights, the constant worry about how to deliver in such fraught times and that endless striving to do better. She goes on, I hope you hear all the voices on this day thanking you because they are just a small part of those who want to let you know how much you and your work are appreciated. We are deeply grateful. We want you to hear all of this praise. You deserved it all and more. We say loudly and proudly that we honour and respect you for who you are, our public school teachers. And lastly, and this is Marilyn Parker saying, because I can't resist this chance to stir the pot, please be political. Everything you do from what you teach to where and how you teach has been politicised. So be political. Go to meetings. Join your professional organisations. Join your union. Be part of the political discussion, not just the fodder. For all that you are and all that you do, your voice is so very much deserved to be heard, now more than ever. Shout and don't stop, because we are with you. And yes, the dogs are always with our public school teachers who do such a wonderful job for our children. The Conservatives in our, in our uh, community are very happy to blame the teachers when something goes on, but what could we do without them? Now, Jason Kimberley, who's the CEO of Cool Australia, also had something to say, and you'll find all of this on the AEU website, by the way. He says that during the current COVID-19 crisis, my organisation, Cool Australia, worked closely with public education teachers to ascertain our 200 most useful classroom lessons to convert into at-home learning activities for parents and caregivers. We thank all of the public education teachers who, despite almost crashing our website, gathered all the resources they required to forward to parents for the weeks ahead. So we thank you. We work mainly work with public education teachers with the desire to partner to create, to create engaging resources 
that enable the democratization of high-quality education resources for all schools, regardless of the postcode. This partnership brings new thinking, support and clarity of vision. It is purposeful every time something is discussed and taught. Public education is important to me because we all love solving problems. And listeners, haven't we had a lot of problems to solve as teachers and parents in the last few weeks? So Cool Australia loves challenging themselves to know more, to understand more and work on turning the dial to provide greater and more meaningful opportunities for our young people. Kids are now back at school after being remotely educated by parents and peer groups at home for more than two months. Parents now have an entirely new understanding of what it takes to educate a child and an even greater respect for the brilliant job that public education teachers do. So, Jason Kimberley, the expert in online learning, loves public education teachers. Now that's enough from me. There's also some very interesting statements from Julia Gillard, the Honourable Michael Kirby and David Gonski, not to mention David Zingier. But I'm now going to hand over to our producer, Dale. Over to you, Dale. Thanks, Jean. Uh, yes, I've got uh, Julia Gillard's uh response uh, to Public Education Day. Uh, She said, I first became a supporter of public education in 1967. That was the year when, as a terrified five-year-old migrant girl with continuing traces of a Welsh accent, I started at Mitcham School. I can easily recall how big the play area seemed and the unfamiliar routine of filing in and out of classrooms. But but I also remember the kindness and professionalism of the teachers who wanted their young pupils to both learn and find joy in doing so. My public education continued at Mitcham Primary School and Unley High, all in suburban Adelaide. Like every child, I liked some teachers more than others, had my share of playground spats and varied in the degree of interest I had in different subjects. As a result, not every day of school was fun, but every day mattered. It would have been impossible for me to have lived the life I have without my great public education. However, my schooling was about more than getting out the best in each individual. It focused on creating a sense of togetherness, of community. With its welcome to all comers attitude, Public education is, and always has been, dedicated to creating the best kind of society. It teaches us to accept, respect, and share, to be open-hearted and inclusive. For that, on this day, we say thank you loudly and proudly. And that was from Julia Gillard, the 27th Prime Minister of Australia. There's many, many more people uh, who weighed in and wanted to say their thanks, but uh, we might have a quick break and then we'll come right back. You're listening to The Dogs on 3CR. Australian music needs your help. Music festivals, concerts and local gigs have been cancelled due to coronavirus. Artists, crew and music workers 
have lost their jobs and don't know when their next gig will happen. We're all facing the sound of silence, but you can help. Visit thesoundofsilence.com.au now. G'day, you mob. Kutcher Edwards here. I just want to send out a message to you all. To stop the spread of COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, it is advised that you keep 1.5 metres away from each other. Follow rules on social gatherings. Wash your hands when appropriate. And stay home if you're feeling sick or unwell. But most of all, keep strong, stay safe. And of course, keep listening to 3CR community radio to keep connected to the community we'll get through this and hope to see you real soon bye 3CR is your station in solidarity and struggle we've been with you since 1976 and we are here to stay throughout June we're running a station appeal we need the financial support of our listeners to stay independent community owned and radical jump online and give what you can go to 3CR Yes, well, to keep 3CR and the dogs program on the air, we need money. Uh, The dogs usually are asked to raise $6,000. There's already $4,000 collected, but that means if there's another $2,000, we really would appreciate if our listeners and supporters could provide to 3CR. In these days when journalists are losing their jobs and we have less and less money put into news and we want to get the facts Mm. out there, then independent radio like 3CR becomes very, very important. Now, before the break, we were talking about Public Education Day and although a lot of important people who are very vocal in our community appear to go to private schools, there's actually a lot of very important worthwhile people have been to public schools, and we're now going to hear from some of them. Thanks, Jean. Yes, I've got uh, the Honourable Michael Kirby, the retired High Court judge, has weighed in um, to thank public educators. Uh, public education in the time of COVID-19 and at all times, he says, I am proud that my entire school education was in public schools. It began at North Strathfield Infants and Primary School. It continued at Summerhill OC Class. It concluded at Fort Street High School. Wonderful teachers, excellent values, appropriate discipline and focus, lifelong friendships, a continuing indebtedness. Recent advent of COVID-19 has imposed added pressures on public schools, the staff and students. However, the shining values of public education have continued and even strengthened. Our public school teachers and staff have adapted brilliantly to the new technology of safe distance teaching where required. This has demanded new talents and fresh insights, but the principles of free, compulsory and secular education have remained the bedrock 
together with the values of equality and democracy. Public education was one of the grand experiments adopted throughout Australia in colonial times. It remains one of our nation's most precious features. We must guard it, support it and fund it properly. And then David Gonski, the chairman of the Gonski Reports, man for all seasons. (laughs) Even though I was only seven when we emigrated to Australia, I still remember it. Times were tough for my parents who had four children under eight living in a very small rented flat. Within a week of arriving in Sydney, I was sent to the local public school, which was incredibly welcoming of this shy boy who spoke with a peculiar accent. The school had students from rich and poor families. Some were Australian-born, others were not. Some were bright, some were not. Many had great sporting abilities, but some, like me, did not. Our teacher, Miss Watson, was attentive to us all. She encouraged those who were slow to catch on and complimented the quick. She helped those whose first language was not English. To my relief and surprise, she even told me that not being good at sport in Australia was okay. Almost 60 years on, I still remember that welcome and the subsequent nurturing, which made me feel happy and safe in the new country my parents had chosen as our home. Undoubtedly, it has also instilled in me an appreciation of the work and importance of the public school system in Australia. And above all, how important in each of our lives is the work of a great teacher. There are many Miss Watsons in the teaching profession and in our public schools, and I salute her and each of them with enormous thanks and gratitude. And then Jane Carrow weighs in, uh, author, columnist, broadcaster, documentary maker. She says, the riskiest thing any of us ever do is be born. None of us have any control over the circumstances of our birth including who our parents are. That is why a strong, well-resourced, excellent public education system available to every child, regardless of their luck or otherwise, in the lottery of birth, is so fundamental to a civilised society and democracy itself. Happy Public Education Day. Love your work. Thank you, Dale. And dogs congratulate all of those who attempt to disrupt the inequalities caused by the continuities of history through our public education system. For three years, teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit! Our education is not for profit! You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. In the last week, there's been a lot of emotionality about statues being put
pushed down and, and drowned and a lot of emotion about whether or not we are responsible for the sins of our fathers. And there have been a lot of very angry people in the streets of America and Great Britain and Australia. I was talking a few minutes ago about disrupting the inequalities of history and education was the key. Now, this last week, personally, I looked at what I was seeing on the um, the, the TV in the streets of Melbourne and I thought, that was a good idea, wasn't it? Because the people who need to fight are in fact fighting and they have learned to use, hopefully, the weapons that will get them there. Now, teachers have always been so important in this battle for people who are vulnerable and treated very badly in the inequalities in our society. You all know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about our Aboriginal people, but also our Torres Strait Island people, and also the uh, people who survived the blackbirding, the slavery in the cane fields of Queensland. And we actually need to know our history and to know what to do about it in this generation. And once again, it is our public education teachers who've got something to say. And Angelo Gabrielatis, who is the president of the New South Wales Teachers Federation, has this to say about this situation. And Dale is going to read it to us. Thank you, Jean. This, yeah, this is an article uh, from the New South Wales Teachers Federation. President Angelo Gavrilatis, entitled Black Lives and What Really Matters. Quote, we shouldn't be importing the things that are happening overseas to Australia. End quote. Such was Prime Minister Scott Morrison's response to a question about a Black Lives Matter protest march in Sydney on the 2nd of June. Of course, he was being interviewed by Conservative radio commentator Ray Hadley, whose followers had complained about the march. And Mr Morrison did add, I'm not saying we don't have issues in this space, end quote. Is that an oblique reference to Aboriginal deaths in custody? Or was it referring to racial profiling by police? Or perhaps racism in general? Uh, for the sake of accuracy and context, Mr Morrison's full statement was, I'm not saying we don't have issues in this space that we need to deal with, but the thing is we are dealing with it. We don't need to draw equivalents here, end quote. Australia has, quote, issues, and it isn't alone. None of the colonial powers has a glowing record when it comes to the treatment of the peoples they displace from lands they discovered under their flag. Few have a clean sheet, either when it comes to treatment of subsequent migrants, refugees and asylum seekers, new arrivals to their shores and across their borders. The rest in the US after the unrest in the US after the death of George Floyd at the hands of four Minneapolis policemen 
has held a mirror to injustice, inequity and division around the world. Those who are fortunate enough to have the individual power to do so are exercising their right to gather, march and chant against injustices in their own setting, with a nod to George Floyd. The reflection that this mirror invites in Australia has myriad facets. It invites reflection on the plight of our first people. Australia has the opportunity to literally rewrite history, tell our children the truths that have been whitewashed down the generations about what happened at the hands of the settlers and their descendants up until the present. At the same time, it is an opportunity to address the contrivance of terra nullius and its inherent dismissal of the First Peoples' link with this land, which has been under their care for the past 60,000 years or more. Mr Morrison contends, quote, we are dealing with it, end quote. But perhaps he should not wear those rose-coloured glasses when he receives the next close the gap annual report with its glaring data emphasising how wide that gap is. Perhaps he should have a closer read of the Uluru statement from the heart, considering the unconscionable wave of the hand it, re it received from the Turnbull government. That mirror may also allow reflection on how this country treats asylum seekers and people displaced from their homes and families through no fault of their own other than being from the wrong religion, social grouping, political persuasion or through outright fear. Even those who gain a, a toehold in this country are not immune from derision and contempt. The finger pointing at a crime wave caused by so-called Sudanese gangs in Melbourne springs to mind. This ugly aspect also raised its head during the early days of the COVID pandemic when those of Asian persuasion were abused and vilified for no other reason than their appearance. Australia is a multicultural land and there's no going back. We are a society where there is no room for the politics of division the politics of fear, xenophobia and racism. During these difficult and complex times, it is incumbent upon us to engage in these critical debates and I would strongly reassert the view that the key to a vibrant, social, cohesive, multicultural democracy is education. That is, an education by and through the inclusive, universally accessible, secular, local neighbourhood public school. The federal government promotes the insincerity that funding for public education has never been greater. Primarily, this notion disregards the coalition's progressive dismantling of the Gonski funding model for providing the necessary resources to attend to every student's educational needs with regards to their location, indigeneity, disadvantage or disability. Then when you stack up the slush funds, the concessions and grants being made available to private schools by this government, the scales are drastically weighed in favour of the privileged. The increased funding commitment of successive governments to the private sector has resulted in exclusion and segregation along the lines of wealth, culture and religion at the expense of the cohesion that is born out of inclusive public schooling. With it has come the creation of parallel communities, with the privileged having limited contact, awareness or interest in those on the other side of the paradigm. The shameful acts that have happened 
in the past to our First Peoples are still occurring today, but in different forms, as horrific as deaths in custody, as sinister as racial profiling, or as subtle as ignorance. Recent Australian National University research revealed that three in four Australians were implicitly biased against Indigenous people. In response, Professor of Indigenous Health at the University of Western Sydney, Auntie Kerry Doyle, told the ABC that negative and inappropriate stereotype of our people has to be stopped as early as possible. Primary school. And we would add, the most important institution in achieving in the achievement of a socially cohesive society is the public school. We will not fully mature as a, nat- as a nation until we reconcile our past and stop the denigration and insidious racism that has and continues to trample on the rights and aspirations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people. And that article was from Angelo Gavrilatis of the New South Wales Teachers Federation. I think we'll have a break and then we'll be right back.
Many of you will be familiar with 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser. It's when you, our listeners, literally keep the station going with your generous donations. It's a vibrant and busy time each June at the station and an all-in effort from our volunteers, staff and supporters. But in 2020, under the COVID-19 restrictions, we need to do things a little bit differently. So stay tuned for our June Station Appeal. It'll be online, on point, and be asking those of you who can to make a donation to keep 3CR alive. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. Program for Defence Public Schools. And here we are on Saturdays, every Saturday at 12 p.m. noon. And uh, today I want to talk about Mr Turnbull. He's been exposing the rorting of the school funding by the Catholic Church in his latest biography, autobiography I should say. Now the dogs had a press release on this some, some time ago, but the Save Our Schools people have woken up. That Mr. Turnbull was somewhat outraged by the hypocrisy of the clergy of the Catholic Church. Um, the dogs could have told him about this, but Mr. Turnbull, who is himself a convert, perhaps was not fully apprised of the clericalism within the Catholic Church. A lot of uh, believers of that persuasion could have told him perhaps because the laity sometimes have problems with the clerics. But um, here we have a very interesting press release from Teva Cobalt of Save Our Schools. In his recently published memoirs, Malcolm Turnbull thoroughly exposes the hypocrisy of Catholic educational authorities in diverting taxpayer funding intended for poor schools to subsidise rich inner city schools. But in doing so, Turnbull exposed his own hypocrisy by allowing him to continue to do so under his Gonski 2.0 funding model. Now, this is what Turnbull had to say. I felt too many of the church leaders were more interested in defending their system and resisting accountability than in fulfilling Jesus' mission to the poor. Well, the dogs could have told him that some years ago. <laughs> Turnbull recounts a conversation with the Archbishop of Sydney, Anthony Fisher, about the government's proposal to publish the amount of funding each school would receive under new funding arrangements. Fisher told Turnbull that the problem with our needs-based model was that more funding would go to schools in the poorer outer suburbs of Sydney and country New South Wales. He said that fees in the inner city Catholic schools would have to go up if Turnbull went ahead with his proposal and published what each school received. Turnbull said it was their choice under a long-standing arrangement whereby Catholic systems were given a lump sum to distribute to schools. And this, of course, is what's been happening. They have the lump sum and they do what they like with it and the government can just go and jump in the lake if they want any kind of accountability. Fisher replied, 
once you tell people how the government has assessed need and shown how much each school would get, we could never get away with it. People would say that we were shortchanging poor schools to benefit rich ones. That's because you are. That's what they've been doing for 60 years. (laughs) Turnbull said that he was astonished at this omission. (laughs) The conversations and written exchanges with Fisher were some of the most unedifying unedifying and disappointing I'd ever undertaken with a church leader, according to Turnbull. It all became very clear. We'd been misled, perhaps by our own naivety, into thinking the church would allocate funding strictly according to need. I could only assume that the objective of the Catholic system was to maintain enrolments in middle-class areas. Fisher maintained that schools in my, that is in Mr Turnbull's, Vaucluse electorate, were needier than our estimates because the parents had bigger mortgages. Turnbull claims that he and other politicians had been gullible in believing that Catholic systems would use their needs-based funding to support poor schools, but anyone who believed this self-serving rubbish would even be would be even more gullible, exactly. according to Heather Coble. Uh, surely the the uh, people, particularly those of Roman Catholic persuasion, like Mr. Abbott and uh, Mr. Hockey and others, are not really gullible about what their church has been about. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, there was plenty of evidence available to Turnbull that was provided not only by the dogs, but also by people like Trevor Cobalt, who really is a financial whiz, um, to, to persuade him that the church was misappropriating taxpayer funding from poor schools to support its schools in wealthy suburbs. Turnbull and others, including Labor, chose to turn a blind eye to it and did nothing about it. Over 20, 30 years ago, Ray Nielsen from the Dogs was putting full-page advertisements in the paper proving this very same fact, and nobody ever questioned his figures. Hmm. Athletic misuse of taxpayer funds has been highlighted by several reports over the last 20 years. They included, included reports by the National Audit Office to the Parliament in 2009 and in 2017. They also included the Gonski Review of 2009-11 and the Victorian Auditor-General and a review of the New South Wales Catholic System by Kathleen Greiner, who was a former member of the Gonski Review. She twigged what was going on when she was on the Gonski Review. And as a reasonably honest politician, she wanted to know what was going on. I'm sorry, the wife of a reasonably honest politician. <laughs> the Grattan Institute had also provided evidence that Catholic systems allocated funding to schools in richer areas at the expense of those in poorer districts and save our schools had done the same. The 2009 National Audit Office report found that systemic schools with low SES scores received less Australian Government general recurrent grants per student from their school systems than if they were directly funded under the SES arrangements. 
the 2017 report of the National Audit Office, this is the Auditor General, uh, in 2017 they found that many low SES Catholic schools were allocated significantly less funding by Catholic education authorities than their entitlement. And it found that the Department of Education failed to ensure that school systems published their distribution model and did not check whether systems distributed funding according to need. Now, the report of the Auditor-General in Victoria found that the Catholic Education Commission in Victoria reallocated state government recurrent grants away from the lower socioeconomic status schools to schools with a higher socioeconomic status. And the 2016 review of the New South Wales Catholic Education System by Catherine Griner, tabled in Senate estimates in 2017, found significant differences between the current funding of schools and a model more closely aligned with the Australian Education Act. A comparison of funding of Catholic schools in affluent and poor areas of Melbourne by the Grattan Institute in 2017 found that they were not funded according to need. And a research paper by Save Our Schools came to the same conclusion by comparing the actual funding for schools reported on the MySchool website with their funding rates determined by their SES schools. It found that almost all high SES Catholic combined and secondary schools in Australia were overfunded compared to entitlement according to their SES schools. Now, the Gonski report in 2011 expressed concern about the lack of transparency of funding allocations in private school systems and recommended they should be obliged to disclose how government funding is distributed to member schools. But it was ignored by the then Labor government, which had arranged a special funding deal with the Catholic Church and was not going to challenge the Church's long-standing arrangement with the Commonwealth. Turnbull had ignored all of this evidence. Uh, so his um, claiming that somehow he had just discovered how terrible the church really was um, really doesn't quite hold water. No, not when he kept the system in place and failed to enforce the Education Act and its regulations, which require school systems to comply with the principles of needs-based funding in distributing Commonwealth funding. It's cynical, isn't it? Very, very interesting indeed. And the, now, sorry, you let's, don't... Let's look at Simon Birmingham who actually was kicked sideways when he started making a few noises about this, and I think it was under the Turnbull government that he was kicked sideways. He repeatedly emphasised that Catholic school systems would remain free to decide how to allocate funds. And, for example, he told The Guardian in May 2017, we absolutely respect their system autonomy and we're not seeking to change that. But he... He did acknowledge the evidence that Catholic systems were not fully distributing funding according to need, and for that he was punished. Mm. But this appears to demonstrate that in some cases there are benefits flowing to schools in wealthier suburbs compared with schools in less wealthy suburbs instead. But it made no difference. So in exposing the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church in misusing taxpayer funds to support their schools in wealthy suburbs, Turnbull has exposed his and the coalition's 
hypocrisy. And also the hypocrisy of the Labour Party, who is not prepared to bite this bullet. Mm. And so he ignored Turnbull and also the Labour Party and the coalition government, the whole lot of our politicians in Canberra have ignored extensive evidence on what the church was up to and failed to enforce the church compliance with the Education Act itself. As a result, Catholic education authorities still remain free to continue their unethical and unchristian use of taxpayer funding intended for poor schools to fund rich schools. And they even felt quite happy when Mr Morrison told them that they had to open their doors, even to their to the children of their own parents who are paying fees, they told him that they would not do so until they were ready to do so. So um, I, I think that uh, Trevor Cobal should be congratulated for putting all of that evidence together. Uh, it reads very well. So I'll, ta- I'll now leave you to Dale, who's got some very interesting material. We're going to have a little bit of a break now, and when we come back, we'll hear some more from people around Australia celebrating Public Education Day. Throughout the month of June, 3CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR Station Appeal. Welcome back to The Dogs, the Defence of Government Schools program on 3CR Community Radio. Now let's listen to some Australians who are celebrating Public Education Day. I never had learnt to act, but I did practice every day to be a real smart ass. One particular teacher established this debating and public speaking class and it really changed how I saw a lot of things and I think they instilled in me a lot of the interest in social justice that I have now. When I look back at it, if I hadn't had teachers who really tested me like that, you know, I don't know what I would have done. You meet constantly people went to public schools and ministers or in the media or arts and yet they don't really brag about it. Maybe we should be bragging a bit more about the schools we went to. I think when people are looking at what school to send their kids to, they obsess about marks and blazers. In actual fact, it's the values that the school instills and there is no better place to instill values than a school that comes from the very idea that everybody can go there. You can't get better than that. On this very special day, Public Education Day, I want to acknowledge the incredible work that our public school teachers do every single day. As the first person in my family to finish high school, let alone go to university, I can personally acknowledge that public education can make a huge difference to a person's life. Any weakening of our public education system can only be a weakening of our democracy. Thank you to all our wonderful teachers out there. I'm a proud product of the public education system in our country all the way through from primary school. A strong public education system is essential to fair and equal societies. That's why we need to support it. Today, I'd like to give a shout-out to those teachers who made a difference for me from primary school and high school. So thank you, Miss Riley, 
Ms Truelove and Mr Brown. You made a big difference. Public education is liberation. I don't think I would have ever been picked as most likely to go to Harvard Law School. As an Aboriginal person, you have to really fight. And I remember one time when I was in Redfern and I heard one of the kids at the school say, I'm going to go to Harvard like that Aboriginal girl. Most people have a teacher that had some significance for them. My English teacher, Miss O'Sullivan, was somebody who really shaped my confidence. I was encouraged to have a voice and to be passionate about what's right and wrong, to be able to go from Kirrawee High School through to an elite law school in this country and then to Harvard Law School, I think shows that the public system was everything that I needed. This is what a girl from the Shire can do. Hi everyone, on Public Education Day, I wanted to take a minute to thank and acknowledge all the teachers, support staff and educators in every public preschool, school and TAFE around the country. If we ever needed a reminder of the skill, the hard work, the commitment of our educators, the COVID-19 crisis has given us one. I'm full of pride and admiration that we have a public education system founded on the right of every single child to access high quality education. I also know that public education is the most powerful weapon we have to fight inequality. We need increased and fair funding for public education because public education is a public good. I've spent most of my life in public education first as a student, then as a teacher and a parent. Now in my role, I get to proudly tell everyone how amazing our public schools are. How lucky am I? We know the power of public education. It can change lives, communities and whole countries. If we get education right, then everything falls into place. The best advice I can give is send your kid to the local public school. If you believe in the importance of community, you have to believe in the importance of public education. I know I do. Happy Public Education Day. Public education is empowering because it provides opportunities for all children and young people, wherever they are or whoever they are. In addition to the great public educators that we have, one of the best parts of public education is that all these students get to learn together. This is great for their academic outcomes and also for their social and personal development. Students learn leadership, resilience, acceptance, critical thinking and teamwork, skills they'll carry with them throughout their lives. The diversity of public education and the brilliant educators we have in this system is what makes it empowering for children and students and enriching for our society. Hi everyone. To celebrate Public Education Day, on behalf of all of the Public Education Foundation, we'd like to express our thanks and our admiration to all the public school teachers, principals, administrators and department staff out there. Throughout this extraordinary period as schools have closed and are now reopening, your commitment has been exceptional, your energy has been extraordinary and we've been privileged to work alongside you to support our public education system and the students it serves. Putting students first is a core value of public education and I think you've lived that to the fullest. Um, the commitment to equity and excellence has been visible throughout and we're privileged to work alongside you in this great system of ours. Take care, stay safe, teachers rock and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Bye. 
we've just heard from a range of voices of Australians celebrating Public Education Day. Uh, we heard from Craig Rewcastle from The Chaser, David Zignia, Sally McManus, Larissa Berent, Michelle O'Neill, uh, Helen Richardson, Lara Golding, and David Hetherington, all of whom are either from the AEU or ACTU or Public Education Foundation or in some way involved or uh, the beneficiaries of the public education system. Isolated? Quarantined? Need some essentials but can't leave the house? Or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment? Queer Aid NAM is a new mutual aid group of organised volunteers. We're here, we're queer, and we've got your back. Whether or not that's how you identify, nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, find us on QueerAidMelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook, COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends, and don't forget your neighbours. That's QueerAidMelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. To help stop the spread of viruses like flu and coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose. Prepare food or eat. Care for someone sick, touch your face or use the toilet. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Well, our time is running out and we really have been very happy to be celebrating our public education system this week. And uh, if you want to read our press releases and find out more about the dogs, you can do that by going to www.adogs.info. And if you've got any cash to spare, then we would really appreciate that for the 3CR radio fund this year. But from Dale and myself, it's now bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he, I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I Oh.
Rubber bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. Went on to organize. Went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find. Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.